Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Ray, I think, is one of my wife's best friends because he provides us tomatoes in tomato season. He come in today and told us all the stuff he's going to bring us tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sister Wilson will have some food in the motor home. Did y'all see this big old thing sitting out here beside the church? Hope I didn't block anybody's entrance here. Heard something going on in here last around here last night, and I got nervous. I thought, "Oh Lord, let's fix it. Take the take the wheels off my car out there." <laughs> but I got up, and everything was still there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter eighty-four, verse number one, beginning. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yes. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still, they will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pool. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before the Lord. Now from the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verse 29. Jesus said, Are not two, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Would you bear with me just a a few moments this morning? As I minister to you a message titled, A Place for Sparrows. A Place for Sparrows. Lord Jesus, I need you. We need your help today, God. Speak, Lord, to the hungry. Speak to the hurting. Speak to the weary. Speak to the worn. Let the Spirit of the Lord do a great work, a mighty work in this place today. In Jesus' name, give us exactly what we need, Lord. 
Guard every word that I would say, Lord. Let it be anointed of the Holy Ghost. Oh, in Jesus' name, anoint our ears to hear the word today. Let our hearts be anointed for the receiving of the word of God today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, minister, we pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. In Scripture, the word sparrow is the name that is given to actually several, several different species of birds in the Bible. Uh, these birds uh, thrived on grain, insects, and such that were gathered. Uh, and these sparrows would gather in noisy flocks. Have you ever seen a sparrow on a power line? You always see more than one usually. Sparrows would often build their untidy nests in the eaves of homes, houses. But they were not driven away even when they built their nests in the temple. They were allowed to build their nest in the temple. That is according to Psalms 84 and 3. And these insignificant little birds were such social creatures that one sparrow, one sparrow was a symbol of deep loneliness. Got just a slight ring up here, brother. It's just a little bit too loud. Uh, they were a symbol of deep loneliness. According to Psalms 102 and verse 7, the psalmist said, I watch and am as a sparrow alone. A sparrow alone upon the housetop. In other words, you didn't normally just see one sparrow. In the days of Jesus Christ, sparrows were sold for a very low price. Two sparrows were sold for one little copper coin, according to Matthew 10, 29. This copper coin was, it was a very small Roman coin. It was worth about one-sixteenth, one-sixteenth of a silver denarius. So that means that this one little copper coin was worth less than our quarter. 
worth less than 25 cents in U.S. currency today. If you understand temple worship in the scripture, when you came to the temple to worship, you always brought a what? Sacrifice, right? You always brought a sacrifice. So those who were poor and those who could not afford to sacrifice a sheep or a goat, they might bring, if they could catch him in a snare, they might bring a simple sparrow to be offered as a sacrifice in the temple. This is according to Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. So very insignificant were these little birds that in the currency of the market, you know, Jesus drove the money changers and the sacrifice sellers. He, saw, he, he drove them from the outer court of the temple, right? You remember that? So insignificant were these little birds that the sellers of them in the temple market, if you bought four of them, the seller would throw in one for free. You would get an extra sparrow if you bought four. Two sparrows. Scripture talked about if two sparrows are sold for a farm. Luke 12, 4 through 7. It was this extra sparrow that Jesus was talking about when he said these words, and not one of them, not one of them is forgotten before God. Meaning that God's care for his creation is so great that even this extra sparrow, this free sparrow that was just tossed into the deal because you bought an extra, four, you bought your four, you got one. This, this creation of God is noted by God. This, this little insignificant extra of no value sparrow is observed and it is of value by God. Now, when you compare this little insignificant sparrow that you could put in the palm of your hand and squeeze the life out of, when you compare him to the mighty bird of prey, the eagle, then that sparrow would look, be looked upon with pity and disdain. Because, see, the, the eagle can, with one flap of his 
uh, six to eight foot wingspan. I'm six foot tall. One flap of his wings, he can soar one quarter of a mile. His keen eyesight is so sharp that from that quarter of a mile, he can look down into a trout stream and see a trout swimming. And with precision that is worthy of a U.S. Air Force bomber, with pinpoint accuracy from a quarter of a mile, that eagle can tuck his wings, tip himself over, and put himself into a, into a dive, tightening his wings close to him, holding that, that position with his eyes intently on that, on that trout in the stream. And without fail, without a miss, he can dive a quarter of a mile and just at the right moment, throw those massive wings out with his sharp talons underneath him. And he can pluck that trout out of the stream and never break stride. He can come up out of that stream and soar back into the heavenlies and find his eyrie and deposit that fish for his baby eaglets in the nest. When the storm comes, the eagle who is soaring in the heavens, instead of being distracted, distraught, nervous about a storm that is coming, he simply flaps those powerful wings and puts puts himself above the clouds. He gets above the storm. He soars above the storm. But the little defenseless sparrow gets caught in the storm. And the little nest that he has built in some fragile tree limb gets blown to smithereens. Perhaps even the tree gets blown down that the sparrow had his nest in. So he's left homeless. Alongside that eagle, the sparrow is of no comparison. This morning, I wanted to come to this pulpit and speak to sparrows. I wanted to preach to sparrows. No matter what kind of face we put on it, no matter how brave the face we exhibit. No matter how strong we may seem. May it, no matter how strong we may try to appear. Every one of us. Every one of us face moments. We were, when we are as defenseless as that little tiny sparrow. Weakened. Frail. Nervous.
nervous, afraid, uncertain, unsure. If the check doesn't come in the mail tomorrow, if I get the wrong diagnosis from the doctor, if the job that I've been on for the last 20 years, what am I going to do if I go in in the morning and the foreman walks down the line and says, I'm sorry, you're, you're going to be laid off indefinitely. Fear smites, fear strikes our hearts because we just, we just put a down payment down on a new automobile. We just got, we just got moved into the new home. Huh? We just got the children settled in the new school. We just, we just got over that sickness that tried to take us out. What am I going to do? What's going to happen? I, don't, I won't have insurance. Sparrows. Sparrows. Our little wings are not quite strong enough. We try. We give it everything we've got. We put all of our strength to it. Trying our best to get above. Get beyond. Get over the storm. But somehow or other, we just can't seem to get there. So we, we come and we kneel before God. Lord, you're going to have to help me. I lean on you, Lord. I lean on you, Lord. For the things I need, I lean on you. When I don't know just what to do, I've got the faith you're going to see me through. You'll supply my every need. I lean on you. I bring a word to you today. I bring a word, I believe, from the Lord for you today. David, David in his psalm for Korah, lets us know how he feels about the house of God. He said, I love it. How amiable. That's a strange word. We don't use that every day in our English language. How amiable, or some would say amiable. How pleasant. How agreeable are thy tabernacles, O Lord. Mm. Lord, all the places that you choose to dwell, thy tabernacles are pleasant places. For me. Hey God, your tabernacles, they are agreeable places for me, Lord. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
He said, your tabernacles, your sanctuaries, these are so pleasant to me. And then Bible language is so unique. David said, I want to illustrate just how pleasant and agreeable your sanctuary is. He said, it is so pleasant that the tiny sparrows and the tiny swallows have found in them a place to dwell. They have found in your house, God, a place that is very suitable for them to build a house. You know, David brought the Ark of the Covenant back, right? Yesterday in my daily Bible reading, I read this. That David built a, he, he erected a tent. It wasn't with the goat's hair and the ram skins dyed red and and the gold and this and that and all the fancy stuff that went into the first tabernacle. David just said, this presence of God is so good. He said, anytime I get near the ark of God, I feel so good. It makes me, it makes me rejoice so much. I'll dance backwards 17 miles. You say, how do you know he danced backwards? Well, he loved the presence of God so much. He loved the ark of God so much. And it had been gone from him for 90 days. How long could you go without the presence of God? You know, the, the ark stayed in the house of Obed-Edom. How many days? 90 days. Three months. David had been without the presence of God for three months. And he, he finally got to it. He said, I love this thing. I'm not letting you out of my sight. And from Obed-Edom's house to where the tent was was 17 miles. He had danced six paces. They'd stop, and they would offer a bullock and a ram. He had danced six more paces, and they'd offer a bullock and a ram as the ark of God came home. And I'm convinced that David danced backwards because he had to keep his eye on the presence of God. Now, I don't have any Bible for that. I don't have any Bible for that, but that's the way I feel. He danced 17 miles. Some folks won't. Oh. Well, I better just sit down here. Some folks won't drive 17 minutes. I know, I was doing good until right there. But what would happen in that tent where the ark of God was, it was an open-air situation. David, see, David wanted everybody, not just high priests and priests. David loved it so much, he wanted everybody to get to experience the ark of God. So he just set up a tent. Open air tent. And in the meantime, here come the little swallows and the sparrows. And they would swoop down underneath the tent flap. 
wind up in the tent flap. David had set up an altar there. And these little swallows and these little sparrows would literally build their nests around the altar. David said, even the sparrows have found an house. And then he said, even thine altar. Why did they come to the altar? Why did they build them a nest around the altar? Because they knew that everybody that was going to come to the altar was good folks. And they wasn't going to be destroyed. They knew there was safety around the altar. They knew there was safety from the storms of life around the altar. Safety from the things that would try to destroy them around the altar. I'm sure, I'm sure that David must have in his, in his illustrious lifetime... I'm sure that David had those days when he felt like that mighty eagle. Hey, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You're looking at a guy nine feet and nine inches tall. Got a, got, got a spear that the end of it's bigger than your head. You're looking at him eyeball to eyeball, and David reaches down. He hadn't got a spear. He hadn't got a, He could have had. It was offered to him. He could have had it. He could have had all the armor to protect his chest and his back, his legs. It was offered to him. But David said, nah, I hadn't tried those. I haven't proven those. So here he stands against a nine-foot, nine-inch giant. And all he's got is this little leather pouch on the side of his waist there. And he reaches down in there. Boy, I wish I'd have brought them five smooth stones. I found me five smooth stones the other day, and I got them over there in the motorhome. Don't, don't run. Get them. I hadn't got time. He reached in that bag, and he found one smooth stone. Put it in that sling. Wow, 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 wow. Here it went. It hit that giant in the forehead. It embedded in the forehead so deeply that it knocked the giant unconscious. David said, just so I know you're dead, I'm going to take your sword because I don't have one. He killed him with his own sword, cut his head off, took it to the king. I'm sure David had his eagle moments. I'm sure he had those moments when he felt all big and sharp and fine and I got 400 ne'er-do-wells. I got 400 folks that's either in debt running from the law, discontented. I got 400 of those cats that I have whipped into a fighting army that would break through the walls of the Philistine army to bring me a glass of water from a well from home. I've got, hey, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. I'm an eagle right now. But then there were those days when David was being chased. He said like a flea. He said, Saul, have you come out against a partridge? 
this close to Christmas, I could say in a pear tree. <laughs> Have you come out against a partridge? I'm just a flea. I'm a dead dog. Now, what does that say? I'm not an eagle anymore. I'm a dead dog. I'm not an eagle anymore. I'm back to sparrow. And I'm needy. And David would cry from the very depths of his soul. Hello, will you cast us? Will you cast us off forever? He felt forsaken of Almighty God. He said, will thou cast off forever? Are you going to let my sins forever hang over my head? I'm not an eagle right now, God. I'm just a sparrow, and I need a place. I need a place. And David was around that altar evidently, and he saw this little sparrow come flitting in and land and find his little nest that he's made up and around underneath that altar. And David said, oh, I know. I know now. I, I may not be an eagle right now, but I am a sparrow. And even the sparrows have found them a house at thine altar. Mm. His wasn't just any old altar. It wasn't just one of those altars that was erected by, to one of those false gods built by the backslidden Israel. No, David said, the sparrow hath found a house at thine altar, O Lord. Thine altar, O Lord. The altar, ladies and gentlemen, is a place for protection from the world. Have you ever walked in church and felt like everybody in the world was against you? And then you found your way into the altar area. Other saints of God standing by. Somebody reaches over and puts an arm on your shoulder and begins to pray for you at the altar. And all of a sudden you realize, I'm not alone. I'm, somebody's been through what I'm going through right now. Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Mm. The altar is a place of protection from the world. When we stop praying, the world comes slipping into our lives. I am convinced, Elder that nobody backslides overnight. I know that's a term that most folks won't use in the pulpit anymore, but I'm convinced that most folks don't backslide overnight. They don't just, they don't just get mad at the preacher because he steps on their toes one night and goes running up to him, looks him in the eyeball and says, I'm not coming back in here anymore because you just said something I don't like. If you mark it and then you backtrack away from that statement, three months, four months, six months, a year, you can see a pattern where they used to be here at prayer time on Sunday evening. 
They used to get here 30 minutes ahead of time. And now they just barely make it in time to stand with everybody for the opening prayer. When we stop praying, the world starts slipping in. The things of this world, the attitudes of this world, the mannerisms of this world, the cares of this world will come into our lives if and when we get away from the altar. Because I'm telling you, a sparrow can't survive away from the altar. The altar is a place of redemption from our sinfulness. We bring our sins to the altar. Bring all your needs to the altar. Dottie Rambo wrote, bring all your needs to the Lord. For he is so willing and able to help you. Bring all your needs to the Lord. We bring those to the Lord, our sinfulness to the Lord. And you know what? God buys us back. That's what redeemed means. Oh, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, glory, glory. What is the words? I can't remember. Sung it a thousand times when I was a kid. God buys us back. He gives us another opportunity. My dear friend that's already passed and gone on to glory, Brother Alan Oggs, tremendous minister of the gospel for many years. A man walked into his office. A man downtrodden, discouraged, disheartened. He said, Pastor, he said, how many times is a man supposed to get up? How many times is a man supposed to get up? After he's fallen, after he's made mistakes, after he's walked away from God, done stupid stuff that he knew he shouldn't do. How many times is a man supposed to get up? Brother Og said, again. Again. Get up again. Come on, Sparrow. You better come back home, Sparrow. You need to come back home, Sparrow. The altar, the altar is a place where we leave our sacrifices of worship and praise to God. The altar. Mm. I wrote it down like this some months ago. Praise is what we do for what he's done. Worship is what we do because of who he is. Quick example. You come to the altar. They lay hands on you. You're sick in your body. Before you get in your car to go home, you're well. We praise God for healing. We come back to next service and want to testify. We praise him for his healing. Praise him because he healed us. But then we worship him because he is the healer. Oh, we praise him because he 
sent the money to pay the rent. But we worship him because he is the need supplier. Oh, it's, it's going to be a hard thing to quit here this morning. It's where we leave our sacrifices of praise and worship to God. The altar. Remember that word. The altar. Listen, we have an altar even when we don't have a prayer. I said, we have an altar even if we don't have a prayer. The week before Thanksgiving, on Thursday before Thanksgiving Thursday, our youngest daughter was summoned by her nurse practitioner and said, you've got to go to the hospital and have a CT scan done of your head. Because a, a month earlier, her daughter had slipped on some water in the kitchen and fell and cracked her head and knocked her out. And her little 11-year-old boy, 7-year-old daughter were there. The little 7-year-old had spilt the water accidentally. So she is screaming, I killed my mom. I killed my mother. I killed my mother. I killed mommy. The little 11-year-old runs in. He's standing over his mother, calling her name, calling her name. Mommy, 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 mommy. Wake up, mommy. Wake up, mommy. Wake up, mommy. And finally her eyes pop open. And a little 11-year-old said, oh, I'm so glad you woke up. He said, because I was about to have to slap your face. He thought he was going to have to smack his mama to wake her up. She woke up. But a month later, after, in, that, in that month's time, she had some dizziness, a little headache here and there, and she had a knot behind her left ear. So she goes in at 9 o'clock on the Thursday before Thanksgiving. And... They do the CT scan. The nurse practitioner is summoned by the radiologist. And he says, I cannot let this young lady go home. Can't let her go home. Said, he, he said to her, so what is your relationship to this young lady? He said, do you know her? Tara said, yes, I know her. We go to the same church. She's a dear friend. He said, well, I'm sorry to tell you this. He said, but your friend has a tumor on her brain stem. And he said, I am summoning the neurosurgeon. He said, she will have surgery before this day is over to remove this tumor. He said, we want, to, we want her to have an MRI done at noon. So three hours later, our daughter lays in that tube for that MRI for an hour. And shortly thereafter, the radiologist called the nurse practitioner again. His words to her, do you believe in miracles? Sister Tara Abernathy said, absolutely I believe in miracles. He said, well, I don't know what happened. He said, but there is no sign of 
where there's even ever been a tumor. At the altar is where we come give praise and worship for God's healing. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Hey, glory to God. Come on, stand with me right now. Come on, stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have an altar when we don't even have a prayer. We have an altar when we don't have an answer. We have an altar when we don't have an explanation for all of our whys. Hey, don't you know, don't you know that everybody in here have had, you have had a list of whys. Why, God? Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why that? We have an altar for every why. And go, could I just go ahead and tell you we have an altar for every day that ends in why. Come on. Ooh, there's a Holy Ghost move going right now. There's something going on in this house. Something going on in the church house. Something's going on in the church house. That little sparrow, that little sparrow knew where home was. I said that little sparrow knew where home was. They recognized the altar for what it was. Home to them. Would to God that we would recognize the altar for what it is. It should be home. The altar should be home for the child of God. It should not be a distant place. It should not be a strange place. It should not be an unfamiliar place. Not, the, not for the child of God. The altar should be our home. Oh, don't let us forget where home is. David said, I will dwell in thy house forever. Mm, Isaac built an altar. Called upon the name of the Lord. And then he pitched his tent the Bible said there you know what Isaac said the altar is going to be my home the altar is going to be my home now on the other hand Lot pitched his tent Towards Sodom. No altar. Just iniquity. No altar. Just abomination. No altar. Just rebellion. The little sparrows found a house. They found a proper and good dwelling place. At the altar. In the house of God. Could I give you one more scripture? The scripture says. He that humbleth himself. Shall be exalted. 
But he that exalteth himself shall be abased or brought down. He that humbleth himself. When we come to the altar, when we come to the altar, we humble ourselves. We bow before the Lord. Huh? Have you found your house yet? Have you found your house yet? I'm not talking about four bedrooms and two and a half baths. I'm not talking about in-ground swimming pools and three-car garages. I'm talking about your house. Is the altar a comfortable place, an amiable place in your life? Or do you find it strange? Do you find it strange to fall on your knees? Oh, hear the angels' voices. A place for sparrows. Are there any sparrows in the house today? Hmm. Are there any sparrows in the house today? If so, if so, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to worry about the so-called eagles. You know, that guy that's got it all together, that, that lady that's been in church long enough to be the church mother, has had the Holy Ghost longer than you've been born knows more scripture than we'll ever be able to learn. I'm not necessarily talking about them. I'm talking about that person that may not know. They can't quote Genesis 1 and 1. They don't know the shortest verse in the Bible. I'm talking about, I'm talking about sparrows. I want you to just let the eagles soar, okay? You just let the eagles soar in their loftiness because that's not your place. Your house is at the altar. Your, your house, your, your home is at the altar because that's where, that's where God's spirit moves and dwells. Mm. I would venture to say, Brother Mason, the altar is the primary place where folks find God. Now, there are some that have been filled with the Holy Ghost at their pew. There have been some that have been filled with the Holy Ghost while on their job. I know a preacher who's dead and gone now who absolutely got the Holy Ghost while he was taking up an offering. But primarily, primarily, the altar it's where we find connection with God. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that wants to step out today? 
just say, I, I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure my house is still in order. You didn't hear me. I said, I want to make sure that my house is still in order. The altar is still there. I can still find God at the altar. Come on, step out of your seat right now. We, we can have a song, but we don't absolutely need one. Just step out of your seat. Right now. This is a time of worship. This is a time of praise, a time of consecration, a time of, of asking God for your needs. Oh, this is where God's Spirit heals. The altar is where God's Spirit heals. The altar is where God's Spirit cleanses. The altar is where God's Spirit washes you. The altar is where every need is supplied. The beautiful thing about the sparrow is not one of us falls to the ground without our Heavenly Father seeing it. Without our Heavenly Father coming to our rescue. I'm so glad for a place. I'm so glad for a place for sparrows. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him this morning. Talk to him this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.